Hello everybody, this is Steve Hutto with the Harvest Celebration Ministries. Welcome to part two of the origin of suffering. We're going to go right into the service for the conclusion of this teaching. Thanks again for stopping by. Let's look at that, Romans 5, 18 and 19. Now Romans 5 and 6 and, well, Romans talks a lot about what God's done for us through Jesus. But verse 18 of Romans chapter 5. So then, as through one transgression or one sin, one overstepping of the boundary, what was that? Adam and Eve, right? Through one transgression, there resulted condemnation to a couple of people, all men, all men. Even so, though, or in the same way, through one act of righteousness, and what was that? The cross, Jesus on the cross. Through one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to just a couple of people, to all men. He says it this way in verse 19. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. But even so, or in the same way, through the obedience of the one. And who was the one? Jesus. Through the obedience of Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Did you notice he didn't say the many have been made righteous? But he said the many will be made righteousness. Now, righteous. See, what, I, what I, I believe that he's saying there is we have a choice. We have a choice. Verse 18 says he did it for everybody. But we still have a choice. How many of you believe that, I mean really, raise your hand on this one. Jesus died for everybody. Right. I mean, I don't believe that we could search planet earth until we find just one person that he didn't die for. I don't believe we could, if we had a time machine, we could go back into time or even go... Up through time, you know, to the point Jesus comes back, which could be any day now, and find one person that he didn't die for. He died for everybody. But the question is, will everybody choose him? No, not everybody will. And that's, that's the sad part. But we still have the freedom to choose. Isn't that incredible? You see, we have the freedom as a born-again Christian, as a Christ follower... You have the freedom to still choose life or death. Let me ask you a question. Why do Christians sin? What? Because they want to. I'm not saying that we, ever stump, we, we don't ever stumble or fall or we're not tempted and sometimes we just yield to the temptation. But the bottom line is because Jesus broke the power of sin for everybody, we who chose Jesus, we don't have to sin anymore. We sin because we want to sin. And the thing is, usually when we first get saved, we still want to do, we still want to sin in a lot of ways. And this life, as He's saving us through our mind, will, and emotions, as He's working in us, we, we want to sin less and less the more we grow in Him, right? We know it's wrong, but how many of you are at a place in your life, don't raise your hand because if you do, you're, you're going to embarrass yourself, but how many of you are in a place in your life right now where you can honestly say, sin doesn't touch me? Don't raise your hand, please. You could lie and say it doesn't, but it even touched Jesus. He just didn't yield to it. That's why He can relate to us. Wow. So let's move on. We have the freedom to choose. 
As I begin to close, let me say this. Sometimes the choices we make bring suffering. Did you hear that? Sometimes the choices we make bring suffering. God gives us the right to choose, so we make the choices. But that's why we need Jesus. Jesus tells us what to choose and what not to choose. The way he set the boundary in the Garden of Eden. The way we set the boundary by saying, no! Get away from that stove. Right? Oh, what a mean parent. Let me tell you what a mean parent is. A person who sets no boundaries for their children. That's a mean parent because they're going to grow up with a warped sense, a warped perception of life. They're going to think they deserve everything, that everybody ought to give them everything. But, you know, sometimes no is the thing that saves your life. You know what the 50, you know what the 70, I mean, let me be as liberal as I can. You know what the 70 mile an hour speed limit says? It says yes to 69, yes to 60, yes to 69 and three quarters, yes to 70, but it says no to 70 and one quarter miles per hour. And you see, some of you are thinking, yeah, all right, well, you just said I am not going to obey the law. Now, who's perfect in that? Well, I, I can't say that I'm perfect either. <laughs> Let's just be honest. But you know what? I just brought up something we can all relate to, right? right. If you go 80 miles an hour down a 70 mile an hour zone, that 70 mile per hour speed limit sign is screaming to you, no, no, no. This is what happens when you cross over my boundary. Woo, 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 woo. But the truth of the matter is we break the law. It's not just about getting a ticket, but, you know, here's like Jesus is saying, okay, I'm sitting before you 70 miles per hour or 71 and above. Oh, let's be real. 70 miles per hour or 75 and above. And he's saying, choose 70. Well, why, God? Why choose 70? Because it's not going to cost you anything and it might save your life and somebody else's. Okay, God, I get, the, I get the picture. I'll make a choice. And so we make our choices based on the knowledge of good and evil. But back to Adam and Eve, they didn't know God. They didn't know good and evil. They just knew God. And I personally believe, let me just go ahead and say it. That's, that's what Jesus came back. Let me, let me just say this real quick. Jesus came 2,000 years ago and he broke the power of sin over us, right? So we don't have to sin. We sin because we want to if we know Jesus. But you know what? Even though Jesus broke the power of sin over us, and He broke the power of sin, He broke the power of death because He went into, he, he went into the earth or into hell, and three days later He rose again. I mean, He's the only human, I know He was God in the flesh, that's ever come up out of the grave. And because He did, when He lives in us, now we have resurrection life. That's what takes us on past this little life on into eternity, you see, when we know Him. But you know what? After all that Jesus did, did you know sin is still in the world? Jesus didn't come to destroy sin when He came 2,000 years ago. He came to break its power over you and me so that we could live out the rest of this fallen life, this, this life in this fallen world with victory over sin. We don't have to sin. We sin because we want to sin. You say, and I'm not saying that's right. Do you understand what I'm saying? You see, but Jesus is coming back. He's coming back again. And when He comes back, Revelation tells us, and, and the, the Feast of Atonement tells us, that when He comes back, 
He's going to eradicate the sin he's already dealt with. He's already taken authority over the enemy. And in his name, in Jesus' name, we have authority over the enemy. We can walk in authority over the enemy in a sin-tainted, fallen society. I mean, that's what the world's crying out for. The reality of, a, of an incredible God, right? That's what this world is crying out for. But Jesus is going to come back and he is going to, just to make a long story short, he is going to transfer every sin that Satan was responsible for from the day that happened in the Garden of Eden as it snowballed on down through history, on through the ages. Every sin that's ever piled up, all the sin he took upon himself on the cross, he's going to come back and he's going to transfer that back to the one who caused it to happen. And who is that? Satan. He's going to lay his hands on his head as our high priest and he's going to transfer all that back on Satan and then he's going to cast Satan and all of his evil angels into the lake of fire forever. And let me tell you the difference between heaven and the Garden of Eden. This is what God told me. In the Garden of Eden, there, I mean in heaven, there will be no chance for a serpent. There will be no chance for rebellion. There will be no, even in heaven, before the Garden of Eden, there was rebellion from Lucifer. It won't happen. This dude is going to be in the lake of fire and every person, every spirit he's ever infected that didn't choose Jesus is going to be there with him. And he's going to be there forever and ever and ever. And when he comes back and eradicates sin and when all is said and done, you and I are going to live in a society that's more perfect than the Garden of Eden. I don't know if you know this, but I just proclaimed good news to y'all. I just proclaimed good news. Wow. Question. Why is an innocent 17-year-old young lady tragically murdered in a drive-by shooting? Why is a husband and father of young children killed in a trucking accident on the interstate that we witnessed one day? Why is a young couple unable to have children? Why are 3,000 innocent people tragically killed when terrorists crash planes into skyscrapers? Why? Why doesn't God just stop these things? Why didn't God just reach down His hand out of heaven, grab those two airplanes? And just set them safely down somewhere. And pull out those terrorists and just thump them on the behind into eternity. Why didn't he do that? Why didn't God reach down and catch the bullet before it hit that innocent 17-year-old girl we heard about last week that was just sitting uh, in, in her, um, I think sitting in her living room. Somebody drove by and just blew her away. Why didn't God just, why doesn't God do those things? Let me tell you why. The answer is because God gives us the freedom of choice. And you know, the, the truth is, who hasn't wanted to blame God for the bad that happens? But why do you blame God? Because we all know God didn't cause it to happen. We blame God because God didn't stop it from happening. But God didn't stop it from happening because of choices made or a choice made way back in the Garden of Eden. Now, with all that said, let me say this. I can't control God. You can't control God. But you know what we can do? We can trust that God will do what He said. We can trust that God will do what He said. See, God will never lie. And if God says He's given me authority over the enemy, I believe it. And I act accordingly. So when Satan tries to come to me, now you've got to know God for this to happen. 
When Satan comes to me and he starts lying to me about things or he starts lying to me about me about my health or lying to me about you. You know what I do? I start quoting scripture, things that God said, that Jesus said. And I'll say stuff like, Satan, shut your mouth. Listen to this. God gives me authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means injure me. See, the Bible says the things that are impossible with man are possible with God. What's impossible for you? Well, turn it over to God. It's possible. But you appropriate the promises and the principles of God in your life by speaking out. You've got to know the Word. You've got to study the Word. You've got to read the Word. And see, I can, I can feel thoughts now even saying, yeah, but that's only for pastors and televangelists and ministers and missionaries. Mm -mm. You know, I've never found in the Scripture where it says full-time ministry. You know why? There's no distinction. We're all full-time servants of God. We're all. There are those that Paul talks about that God uses that usually are in the full-time ministry that train the church for the work of the ministry. But we're all full-time servants of God. Do we serve God only on Sunday or Wednesday or once a year on Christmas? Do we serve God a couple of times a month when we pick up the Bible and read a couple of scriptures? See, the problem is, when people thought they were choosing life, they didn't realize what they were getting. When you choose life, when you choose God, you give it all to Him. Again, you're not a mindless robot, but you have the God of the universe now protecting you and guarding you and, and guiding your life. You know what? Can I just say this to you? Some people might not like to hear this. You can still do whatever you want to. But whatever choices you make, you reap the harvest of that choice. So choose life. Most believers, most Christ followers struggle because they don't choose life. Oh, I chose Jesus, but I didn't realize I was choosing life. I thought I was choosing my fire insurance. I thought I was making a reservation for that last day and that I can live the way I want to while I'm here between now and then. No, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When you choose life, you choose Jesus and you give your life to Him. John 10.10 says this as I close. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There it is, the choice, life or death. Jesus plainly, plainly says, as he's talking about the thief being Satan, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that you may have life. And listen, can you under, listen to this. This is so clear. I came that you may have life. And we hear eternal life. Well, any life that comes from God is eternal. It don't just end when we die. Right? I came that you may have life. But what, we, what so many pastors teach, what so many people hear is, well, I came to give you fire insurance to make sure you don't go to hell. But life is eternal life. Eternal life begins the second you receive Jesus. And it goes forever and ever and ever. So from that point, throughout the rest of your life, beyond your life to eternity, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If we could just get into our head that, man, eternity is a long time. <laughs> but you see, I'm excited about my eternity. I'm excited about it. You know, sometimes... Uh, let me just give you a concept, and I'll close with this, I promise. But you know, I'm, I'm a preacher, and I preach. So, But listen, and I'm, I'm serious, because I'm hungry. Man, I saw that food. 
Let me give you a concept. I'm only 17. I'm only 38. Man, I've got the rest of my life to live. No, you don't. You've got the rest of eternity to live. So the choices we make today determine not only the rest of our lives, but the rest of our eternity. And if we're, making, if we're choosing life, we can get excited about our eternity. I used to think, man, I, I, don't, I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, I used to think I was going to go to heaven even when I was going to hell. That's how deceived I was before I got really, truly got to know Jesus. I thought, I'm gonna, when I die, I'm going to be in heaven, you know. I mean, that's where Uncle Dewdrop and Aunt Fuddy Duddy, all of them are there, you know. We're all just going to have one big happy family reunion. I'm going to float around on this little white fluffy cloud in my little white fluffy robe, fluffy robe with my little white fluffy harp and have a little white fluffy hairdo and just float around playing all the time. And I'm thinking, man, that stinks. I'm liking life down here a lot more. But if we could only fathom what's ahead of us. It's incredible. Why do people suffer? Because of the choice made. But I'm going to let me end with this statement. The choice made 2,000 years ago is why we don't have to suffer the wiles of the devil. I mean, bad stuff's going to happen. We're going to have friends and family. We're going to have people. Stuff happens to. But God even teaches us if we choose life how to get through those things and to do it in a positive way. Let's pray. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast and stopping by. I hope you have a blessed day. God bless you.